on uh, hit the wrong button again. Okay. That wasn't my fault. No, it was not your fault. All right. Um, welcome to a uh, soggy, wet edition of Under the Dome. Um, I'm your host, Alan Ulrich, and with my partner in crime here, Sean Williams. How you doing tonight, Sean? Um. guys bear with us tonight uh as usual this is a labor of love and we are doing our double best to bring you the show tonight uh i've already lost my wi-fi signal I'm having to go on a secondary uh type of thing but we're gonna do it anyway we're gonna make this happen uh this has been a fantastic week to be a new orleans saints and uh we want to thank fan first productions for being our sponsor we want to invite you guys to subscribe to the show on itunes and on youtube our numbers are growing exponentially by the weekend. We love you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of what it is that we're doing. Uh, without you, there's a fuss. Uh, that's a simple note to put it. Really quickly, want to uh, want to hip you guys to some things that we we uh, collectively as a group uh, we feel like needs to be said. Um, as all of you know, Hurricane Harvey has hit the, the Texas Gulf Coast. And not just that, some of you people in, in the uh, South Louisiana area are being affected by it as well. Um, and I don't, I really don't have to remind everybody that on this date in 2005, the future of the New Orleans Saints changed. Uh, and we all know all the, the stories and the aftermath and the rebirth and everything behind Katrina. Well, um, at the risk of being overly dramatic, this is Houston's Katrina. We need, we want to let the people, we, I know for a fact that we have followers and fans in the South Texas, Houston, so on, uh, region that follow our show. We want to let you guys know we love you. We, uh, we're sending our thoughts and prayers to you guys. And also, anyone that is of such a mind and is able to reach out to uh, these places to help, we uh, are trying to gather up a few uh, sites uh, and what have you to, uh, to be able to contribute towards the, the hurricane relief we have um oh man i need glasses <laughs> <laughs> you can go to what the buck w-h-a-t-t-h-e-b-u-c dot net uh they have something going on in, in terms of hurricane relief we also have saint jester and sports united uh, I don't have a website on that, um, but uh, we'll get get all of these links as soon as possible. We'll get them posted to our Facebook page so that everyone can uh, can easily find them. There's also, uh, let's see, uh, oh, you guys bear with me. I I'm having a mortal moment here. Hang on. These horn rims earn their keep. Uh, well, I can't read that, <laughs> even with glasses. Anyway, um, 
and, <laughs> yeah, it, it's sad, but you know, I'm old. You're gonna do. Uh, also, anyone that knows me and knows my beautiful bride, Michelle, knows that she uh, she sells customizable jewelry with Origami Owl, and they have this thing going on. It's a beautiful uh, thing called the Nesting Hearts. Uh, so Swarovski crystal. Uh, say that three times real fast. But um, the point being, can go to www.mgwilliams.origamiowl O-R-I-G-A-M-I-O-W-L dot com and sales for these nesting heart pieces, which will be uh, there are $28 but for the uh, an effort to uh, bring relief to the hurricane victims it will be now for $20 with 50 percent of the proceeds going to the American Red Cross. Like I said, you can go to our Facebook page. You can reach out to me personally on any of these links if you're, uh, if you're in a position where you can help. Uh, and if nothing else, uh, as always, uh, thoughts and prayers and uh, being there in any way that you can. It goes a long, long way whose lives have forever been changed um and want all of the Portland saints houston texans uh all the fans to know that we're with you guys and we love you and we're hoping that you guys get back on your feet real soon absolutely i've got a lot a lot of friends in the houston texas area and i've been trying to keep up with them as best i can Almost all of them to a person have uh, come out fine, um, had gotten a little bit of water, but not much. Uh, most of them have been able to be stay high and dry, but as always, as each band of rain comes and it just sits over that area all day long, it just, it makes it worse. Um, but I was just looking at a friend of mine uh, posted a picture. The sun is actually shining. Well, was shining a couple hours ago over Texas, over Houston area. So hopefully this system will finally move. It reminds me a lot of Hurricane Juan back in 1985, where that was a hurricane that kind of just hovered along the coast, even did a little loop and came back, that kind of thing. Um, it was just a constant rainmaker. And that's really what has been the problem with the storm is that it um it's not the wind it's not the storm surge it's just the fact that it doesn't move and the same area is just getting pounded by 15 20 25 35 inches of rain you know within a day and a half span and i don't care what kind of uh, how high your house is or what kind of drainage system you have or anything like that. There's nowhere for the water to go when that much water is coming down. Most hurricanes go, when they hit inland, immediately heading north and then east. And this one didn't do it at all. So um, we got some bands today in New Orleans. I know Lafayette has been getting a lot of rain. Um, and I believe it's going to be heading in your area soon, Sean. So... 
Yeah, absolutely. This is not over by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and with that in mind, I think that partially explains some of the performance of the Texans. Not that the Saints didn't play well, but I really think, you know, the Texans, to an extent, uh, their heads weren't totally into this game um, because they are too talented of a team to be shut out. Uh, J.J. Watt, I know, didn't play. If he played at all, maybe played the series. Um, I don't think um, Deshaun Watson, not Deshaun Watson, I'm sorry, uh, the receiver. Um, Clowning. Clowning. No, not, not Clowning, not the defensive end, Clowning, another receiver. Um, anyway, I don't think he played hardly at all either. I think uh, if he played, he may have played About, uh, the first couple of series. Number 10. Um, Matt's going to kill me because that's, he's on my fantasy team. Matt told me to get him. No, uh, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I'm surprised he hasn't texted me yet. Matt is uh, Matt is our uh, kind of our director of information. DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins. Yes. Uh, he if he played at all, I don't recall even seeing him out there. So, and I've watched the replay a couple times. Um, regardless, you know that the the, uh, the Texans may. May not have been into the game, but the uh, yeah, he just texted me, DeAndre Hopkins. I got it. Um, <laughs> I can Google it just as fast. <laughs> but anyway, um, Texans may not have been in it, but that doesn't mean that the Saints defense didn't play well. And no. the things I really took away that I thought were impressive about the Saints defense, first off, when they got a team – in the third and long, and the quarterback was forced to do a dump-off pass. If it was a four-yard dump-off pass, the tackle was there, and it was a four-yard gain. There was no – what we've seen too often, and especially these past couple of seasons, um, where a guy would get a four-yard pass, break a tackle, and scamper for another 12 yards, or the cushion was so great that they pick up the first seven yards after the reception – before somebody even touches them. So yeah. we didn't see that. We're seeing the Saints defense attacking, jumping right on to the uh, receiver and limiting. So it's if it's third and eight, you only pick up four, it's fourth down, time to punt. Yeah. You know. That you and I, and, as you and I were talking about off air, I think that if you'll look back over the uh, – guys, before I get all this uh, venom on social media – let me tell you, I realize fully this is still preseason. Yes, we've played the Browns, the Chargers, and the Texans. I thank you very much for pointing that out to me so many times. And uh, all of you that are going to feel the need to point it out to me again after this broadcast. Said, I think what you're wanting to see. Uh, the only thing that's been consistent about this defense in the past three seasons has been seven and nine finishes. Uh, that's the only thing that you can look back on and say, okay, they did that and did that, did that, and, and did it well. 
they consistently posted losing records. If you look back, went out against Cleveland. Yeah, it was the Browns, but there was a vibe that was kind of set there. If you look forward to the Chargers game, yeah, um, they came out and they maintained that vibe. I think what you're seeing over the course of one, two, and three preseason games now is a consistency, and that's what you're wanting out of the preseason as a unit. You have different goals and different levels of, of other things that you're wanting to accomplish, sure, but what you're wanting to establish in the preseason is you're wanting to set the tone for what this season is going to be about. You're wanting set the tone of what your team is. And I think that this team, especially on the defensive side of the ball, well, uh, some people will say almost exclusively on the defensive side of the ball, uh, what you've seen is that tone is being set. Defensive line is in the backfield. Uh, We lead the – there again, it's the preseason. But we lead the league in sacks. And when's the last time that happened? Uh, Alan pointed out to me earlier, you said it was the 2006 or 2009? 2009. 2009. Preseason game, or excuse me, preseason team that allowed how many points? Seven points in uh, in preseason game number three, I think it was. And this year we allowed just zero. Yeah. The only points that have been scored on the New Orleans Saints for all practical and purposes was on a pick six. Yeah. Can you wrap your mind? And and I want you guys to, at the while I'm saying this, I want you guys to think back. The the thing that I've been hopping on for nine months now. Anyway, uh, the thing that I want you guys to remember and be aware of and keep thinking about. 2016, we lost nine games, and I make no excuses for that. We earned the L in every one of those games, but every one of those losses was very, very close, six points or less. You're talking about an extra possession, a possession ending in a touchdown rather than a field goal or uh, a field goal rather than a punt, a turnover here, not turnover with the offense there. Well, he froze. I was afraid that was going to happen because uh, he is on his regular uh, uh, data plan, not the Wi-Fi. So that was one of the problems we had, one of the reasons why we're running late. Oh, there he is. You're back. I'm here. All right, you froze for a second, so I think your final point was kind of uh, obfuscated. Um, basically, what, <laughs> what we've both been saying is what you're looking for, you're looking for consistency. And I think we're seeing that consistency from the defense. We are stopping the run. We're limiting big plays. We're making the tackles when we need it. We're seeing speed out of the linebackers. We're seeing speed and power out of the defensive line. You're getting a pass rush albeit 
Some of it's coming from a blitz, but you're still get, seeing penetration by these guys. And I think that's the kind of stuff you may see carry over to the regular season. Granted, you know, as someone pointed out uh, earlier, um, we're playing the likes of Tom Savage, uh, Kellen Clemens, uh, and Brock Osweiler. We're not playing Tom Brady and Cam Newton and Matt Ryan and, you know, those kind of quarterbacks. But at the same time, our defense has been famous for making the Ryan Fitzpatrick's and the um, oh Colin Kaepernick and people like that look like pro bowlers, look like great quarterbacks. And clearly – we are stepping up now and limiting the effectiveness of the good quarterback, I mean, the, the mediocre to poor quarterbacks. So we will be better to play the good quarterbacks. Um, here's, here's a great stat that I saw in a column the other day. Um, in week three of preseason 2016, uh, we played the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers quarterbacks, and this wasn't just uh, – uh, uh, Roethlisberger. This is, you know, was uh, Jarvis Jones was a backup. Guys, the Steelers quarterbacks went a combined thirty-one to thirty-nine for three hundred forty-two yards and three TDs. The three quarterbacks for the uh, for the Steelers and for the uh, Texans went twenty-three to forty-two for one hundred eighty-nine yards and no TDs um, and one interception. So it's. We're seeing positive things out of this defense, and that's what we want to try and see. What we want to try and get out of preseason is you're seeing positive steps. You're not seeing – think about it. You're not seeing a lot of substitution errors. You're not seeing offsides penalties. You're not seeing the the uh, the bonehead pass interference and holding calls and all the things that we have have just grown accustomed to seeing from the Saints defense from 2016, 2015, 2014, all the way back to 2012. We're not seeing we're not seeing those kinds of mistakes. We're seeing right. a team that's lined up properly. We're seeing a team that's attacking, running at full speed, and making plays. And that is a positive thing to take out of this. I agree completely. Uh, I, I believe that the turnover within the coaching staff on this team, uh, looking at Mike Nolan, you're looking at, uh, you guys forgive, I don't recall the uh, the new defensive lineman's name, mm -hmm. the new defensive line coach. Uh, you already had Aaron Glenn a year ago doing this, at, uh, being awesome and having awesome results. I mean, um, even with all the injuries that he dealt with in the first uh, – through the preseason up into uh, week two of the season last year, Aaron Glenn did a phenomenal job with the secondary, getting it to the point that it actually got to, uh, regardless of the result on the field. Damn. Uh, I was just looking at the Saints coaching staff, um, and this damn thing gave me the 2016 staff, even though I asked for the 2017 uh, staff, so I can get this man's name for you. Um, 
want to say it started with the date. It starts with an R. His name is um, Ryan Nelson. Ryan Nielsen. Sorry, Ryan Nielsen. Nielsen. He is yeah. the uh, def defensive line well, coach. Our, but you know, and we talk about we talk about the we talk about the special teams. You also have Peter Gunter uh, as the defensive assistant, which is helping as well. You're seeing much better communication, and because you're seeing better communication, because you're seeing people who know what they're doing on the field, you don't you don't have that split second hesitation that you saw in previous teams. That is the difference between giving up a four yard pass completion. And a forty-yard pass completion. I'm sorry, that is that is the major difference we're seeing, um, and we're seeing the improvement in special teams as well. I mean, we can't underestimate the uh, the importance of a Chris Banjo. Well, he's coming out there. I mean, every punt that um, Morstead's hitting is pinning him down inside the twenty, and we are making the tackle right then and there. We're not letting these guys get out of the, out of the hole at the punt put him in because of a good return um that's an interesting segue alan because uh what you and i have done i i uh, took the prompting from you of course as always mm -hmm. um and you and i have uh developed basically what our ideas of the projected roster will be yeah, um, I went one too. I went one too many. I got caught. <laughs> hey, I I got four too, three too. Many. I went I went uh fifty four instead of uh, fifty three. That was my mistake. I thought I took another player off when I added an extra defensive lineman. Well, I had a few too many, but uh, hey, we got to have uh, reserves, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we're pretty much. I think we're pretty much in agreement with the main yeah. ones. Um, you know, when it comes to quarterbacks, well, you know, you've got basically three different uh, columns, <clears throat> if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. of players at this point in the season. You have your lead pipe, uh, hundred percent, no doubt about it, locked. Be man roster. You're talking about your Drew Brees. You're talking about your Michael Thomas. You're talking about your Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. Excuse me. Okay, well, from there, move to the people that have shown up pretty well, but, you know, there's still, all, there's still a, a bit of doubt. Maybe they need to, they need this fourth preseason game to sort of seal the deal. Then you've got that right-hand column, uh, I, I had to think, you have that right-hand column where you don't know, uh, at this point in time, all things considered, they're basically either cuts or practice squad, but they still have the Ravens game to make their case, so to speak. Would you agree with that? Well, I think, yeah, I think all of of the 22 signed positions, I think um, 20 of them are pretty much decided right now. I think that um, what you're seeing in this fourth preseason game is this is when 
your scouting of other teams is important because remember last year we got Will Lutz from the Ravens. Yeah. Cuts. And because there's only one cut this year, uh, and that'll be Saturday by three o'clock, I think they have to be down to 53. So there's only one cut this year. Um, You're going to see a lot of talented players released at one time um, where the Saints are going to be looking at guys to come in to maybe replace some of these people that we have on this list as making the final 53. And, you know, yeah, Saturday, this will be the final 53. But Tuesday, there may be four or five names that are different that this will be the first time they're on the team. Uh compared to the so-called Final 53 we'll get this weekend. So, yeah, Thursday's game is important for a lot of players because the guys we end up cutting may end up on other teams, and the guys who get cut from, like, say, the Ravens or the Texans or these teams that we've been playing have an impact on our team as well. Um, So, yeah, obviously, you just look at the quarterbacks right away, um, you know, Clearly, Breeze is the, the, the main guy, and then Chase Daniels is going to be his backup. Um, you know, neither McCown nor I – mean, I'm sorry, not McCown. Neither Grayson nor uh, Nassib really made any movements or never had anything in this preseason to make you think that this is a guy that is going to make the final 53. Maybe they might keep one of these guys on the practice squad more likely – they won't keep either of them because uh, I just not – we've talked about this all last week. I did not see any development from Grayson. I thought he threw a couple of nice passes sa- uh, Saturday night, but nothing he did really blew me away to make me think he really had full command of this offense to take over kind of a regular season game. I think Chase Daniel clearly has that um, – despite his performance in the preseason game uh, against San Diego, what he does in preseason compared to what he does when the game plan is in, in, in place, the coaches trust Daniel to do what he needs to do. I don't think they trust an Asib or a McCown to do what needs to be done in a regular season game. Um, running backs, you and I, I think, disagree with the fourth name. Uh, clearly, yes. clearly, Ingram, Peterson, and Kamara, uh, your top three, it's going to be incredible. They all stay healthy. This is going to be an incredible backfield. The fourth guy I've got is Daniel Lasko, and I'm only putting Lasko in because of his contribution on special teams. Uh, I think that's an emphasis this year. The bottom half of that roster that used to be so fluid all season long is going to be much more solid where you have a lot of guys whose sole purpose on this team is to be special teams players. And I've got Lasko fit in that category. I've got a, a linebacker, a couple linebackers, and I've got a safety who that's their main purpose. And even a receiver, that's their main purpose is to really play special teams more so than to play Offense or defense? Um, I know you have a different name in mind. You, who do you have making it over Lasko? I have Darius Victor making the the final. Uh, I, what did we have? Five running backs. Yeah, five running. And, uh, four, four running backs and a fullback, John Coon. 
clearly Coon's yeah. going to count as a running back, but I mean he's the fullback. Yeah, I I have Victor making with the the caveat that he will likely sixteen games in the season he will likely not be activated uh, short of an injury. Um, yeah, but I I do believe that Victor has made an outstanding case for himself in the preseason. And I, as compared, basically, uh, of course, it's really hard to do that in the preseason. But basically, a, a head-to-head comparison between he and Lasko, I think that he made a much stronger case for himself. I think he, I think uh, Victor has made a stronger case as a running back. I don't know if he made it as a special teams guy. And like I said, you know, I'm picking Lasko purely for a special teams contribution. So that's the difference. We'll see who's right uh, come Saturday. <laughs> um, receivers, I think we're pretty much in agreement. Um, the top four, obviously, Michael Thomas, uh, Willie Sneed, Ted Ginn Jr., and uh, who actually caught some nice passes uh, Saturday night, I, you know, he looked – he ran a nice do, reverse. and. Do we have verification re- that that was actually Ed Ginn Jr. and not Devery Henry? Yeah. Well, uh, I, you I know – I just want to be clear. You there. Devery's a little stockier. Devery's got a little stockier, but, yeah, he looked good out there. And, uh, <laughs> and of course, Brandon Coleman as the uh, fourth wide receiver. And I think we both have agreed that uh, Tommy Lee Lewis has won the job um, as the fifth receiver, no one else uh, has even come close to matching any of his production no. in preseason. Um, you know, I thought in the beginning that um, um, Corey um, Fuller. Oh, Corey Fuller. Thank you. I'm doing terrible names today. Uh, Corey Fuller, I thought, you know, had a good chance of making the team in the beginning because especially came off of that hot um he looked really good in mini camp and otas and then those first couple weeks of training camp he really looked sharp out there running good routes and catching everything uh but from the cleveland game on Tommy Lee lewis has just taken over and no one else has even come close so it was short and sweet but (laughs) tommy lee has and once again he can play special teams yeah, absolutely. Tommy Lee has excelled above and beyond. Of course, you know, there again, you have to limit your expectations in consideration of the fact that it is the preseason. But Tommy <clears throat> Lee, uh, much like I want to say four or five years ago, it, you had uh, Mark Ingram, you had Pierre Thomas in the backfield, but the leading ground gainer during the preseason was Kyrie Robinson. And mm-hmm. This preseason for Tommy Lee was basically kind of sort of the same thing in the wide receiver department. Uh, you, Thomas didn't get that many looks. Uh, uh, Coleman got a few, but not that many. Sneed got a few, not that many. But, uh, you know, when it comes to those three guys right there, you don't really need to know a whole lot about what they're going to be able to do on the field because they have a body of work going. All Tommy Lee Lewis has got is a rookie season that was sketchy here and there, uh, had problems holding on to the ball in special teams. Uh, 
dynamic playmaker when he has the opportunity. But there again, uh, nerves, whatever you want to call it, on special teams, he gave the ball up. Uh, much the same as Murphy, which is now uh, an eagle. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. He, yeah, I think he's, he's not. He, he's not wearing black and gold anymore. And um, no. <laughs> my 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 thing was, you know, <clears throat> in the uh, second half, or once the uh, second team came out in the preseason games, um, if you wanted to see the offense finally get a drive going, it usually started with a pass to Tommy Lee Lewis, and that's what got the offense going again. Uh, no one else, Lampman, Durall. Uh, even uh, Fuller, you know, no one else when they if they had the ball targeted towards them made it made a play, and Tommy Lewis simply just made plays. So he earns a spot on the team. So it's Absolutely. five receivers. I, I agree with you more. Your tight ends, we saw very very little production out of any of the tight ends in preseason. Um, wait a minute, wait wait wait. We used ends in the preseason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I think. Um, <clears throat> I think Hill and maybe um, uh, Fleener were targeted a couple times. That was about it. Um, and maybe we, we hit a couple of the backup guys late in games, but you never really saw a lot out of them. Um, so it's going to be Fleener, Hill, and uh, Human. Uh, and they all perform different things in the offense. Fleener, they're going to try and once again make him like a, a receiving tight end, a receiver. Um, much like they did with Jimmy Graham, um, with Hill, he doesn't have the speed, doesn't have the explosiveness of a Fleener or a Graham or even a Watson. He's more or less your David Thomas kind of tight end. He is that blocker, H-back, uh, receiving tight end. It's a secondary tight end target. And then, of course, who man is your true H-back, someone's going to play both fullback and tight end, uh, your blocker more than anything else. So that's really your three. Uh, and <clears throat> whether or not Fleener makes a statement to justify his pay, we don't know. Uh, I'm not optimistic about it because I just think that you're going to get – a 50 to 60 catch guy, three touchdowns. That's going to be basically what he does because you have a Michael Thomas on your team. You now you have an Alvin Kamara on your team. Now you have a Willie Sneed. You've got a lot more weapons um, that Breeze is going to spread the ball around a lot more. And Fleener just is not the dependable target that Sneed and Thomas are. And so – that's going to impact his numbers, his catches. Um, and with, now you throw Alvin Kamara in the mix, there's your mismatch more than Fleener is. Fleener's going to be a second option behind Kamara. So it, it, it's just the nature of the beast, and fans are going to rip on him um, because he's not putting up Jimmy Graham type of numbers, uh, because he's not putting up Ben Watson kind of numbers. And honestly, I think he's going to put more of – uh, Jeremy Shockey, uh, what was his name now? Um, Billy Miller, kind of tight end numbers now in this offense. And, you know, that, that's going to rub people the wrong way because of how much money Fleener is getting paid. 
Uh, do you agree with that? Well, somewhat, uh, and it may not be for the same reasons. Uh, you've got your Michael Thomas. You've got your uh, Willie Sneed. You've got your Adrian Peterson slash uh, Alvin Kamara slash Mark Ingram coming out of the field. You've got Brandon Coleman. You've got Tommy Lee Lewis. Uh, all there's only so many passes that can go around Mm -hmm. and you know uh if if i'm an all pro quarterback that's going into the hall of fame on the first ballot probably the unanimous vote uh you know i have all of these choices if i throw it to you and you don't catch it hey your name your name goes to the bottom of the list brother yeah Uh, i i got a second year guy over here just supplanted a uh, a seasoned veteran to be the number one receiver. I got a guy over here that was a practice squad player for someone else that signed as an undrafted free agent that never misses anything thrown in his direction. My point being, Fleener has had a uh, I don't want to and this is going to act for you, and I apologize for that ahead of time. I, Fleener is not Graham. And, and by that, I mean towards the end of his career, Graham was having more and more drops. And I'm not talking about contested drops. I'm talking about just absolute dropped passes for whatever reason. Uh, the reasoning yeah. really makes, makes very little difference. Uh, but my point is, Fleener has had a problem catching the ball. Uh, that's strike one. Uh, Fleener is a thin that doesn't necessarily block great. Uh, that's not a big deal in New Orleans because we don't hire tight ends to block. <laughs> no, and, and that's uh, a, that's something that people need to remember. The tight ends in New Orleans are not there for blocking. They're there as pass receivers. Um, they ben chip. Watson was an anomaly in respect. Well, you know, they're they're second. They, they chip. They are they they help out the tackle on a block. But when they go to a the jumbo package, if you watch, and this goes back to two thousand and six, this is why you see people walking around with Zach Street jerseys with the name on the back saying as eligible, because the Saints used to pull in. Yeah, it used to be the joke that it would say, the referee would say 67 is reporting as eligible. You know, so, uh, I'm sorry, 64. 64 is reporting as eligible. Um, But, yeah, you saw the Saints bring in extra offensive linemen when they go to that jumbo package or short yardage package, not extra tight ends, um, because they view their tight ends as mismatch opportunities. Guys, you spread the defense out so you get that tight end in the slot going up against a linebacker where your tight end is faster and has a larger catch radius than, a, than the average linebacker or a typical safety. You know, that's that's why I always roll my eyes when I hear about, oh, Jimmy Graham hated a block. Jimmy Graham was terrible at blocking. That wasn't his job. His job was to catch first downs and touchdowns. I'm sorry. That's the way it goes. You have a guy, Kellen Winslow, in the Hall of Fame, 
I, I got to beat this drum. This is like how Deuce is about Mark Ingram. You got a tight end in the Hall of Fame named Kellen Winslow, who sucked. He hated blocking. He never blocked. He lined up, ran those nine routes for the San Diego Chargers in the 80s and went to the Hall of Fame catching touchdown passes. That's how we use tight ends. We use the Air Coriel tight ends. We don't need a Mark Bavaro. We don't need a John Frank. We don't need um, – Oh, I can't think of the other 49ers tight end. We don't need Clark. those kind of tight end. Not Clark. Clark was a receiver. Um, it was uh, the guy. Uh, he was ben, tight end for the 49ers. Red-headed. Uh, yeah, he was on. tight end for the 49ers with Harris Brent. Barton to tackle. Uh, yes, Brent, Brent Jones. Uh, Brent Jones. Brent Jones, yeah. Brent Jones, yeah. John Frank ended up being a doctor. That's why I remember him so well. And John Madden had a famous bit. You should, everybody should YouTube this. John Brand, uh, John Frank, and I believe it's a Giants defensive player, get into a blocking battle, and they end up wrestling around on the ground. And John Madden starts on the replay, starts calling it like it's Mid-South Wrestling. It's hilarious. Please YouTube that clip. Because he's like, John Madden's like, he's down. One, two, three, he's out. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's awesome. <laughs> and I remember that uh, game. There, I remember there's that game. Butler's, Butler's video of the week there. Uh, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, Please watch that. It's hilarious. The other side of the ball. I might but share that on YouTube. I might do that. A point of much contention in this offseason, uh, especially leading up to the draft, has been the defensive line, the edge rushers, the, the yeah. interior line, uh, especially in absence of Nick Fairley. Um, who do you see as those guys? My God, you know, for a team that we were all worried that who was going to be the edge rusher, I've got one, two, three, four, five edge rushers out of my nine defensive line, six edge rushers, sorry, out of my nine defensive linemen making this team, you've got Cam Jordan, obviously, Alex Okafor, Kihaka, Hendrickson, and Muhammad has played himself onto this roster because he, what, he's got three sacks, Absolutely. Four, four sacks in three games. You can't, you can't cut him and stash him on the practice squad. You can't hide him. You know, teams know who he is. For right. a guy who is played very limited football. He is making an incredible mark on this team. And to me, he and David Onyemata, the defensive tackle, have taken the biggest step forward um, in this training camp for people that you weren't, that don't have a lot of football experience. Uh, because Sheldon Rankins, we'll talk about in a second. But those two guys, for not having a lot of football experience, have really taking that step forward to say not only are they going to be contributors this season, they can have an impact. You know, late in the game, Muhammad coming in as a fresh pass rusher when we're trying to close out a win and the team's got to throw the ball. Muhammad coming in can make a play. Anyamata is coming in now to rotate in with Tyler Davidson to have the Nick Fairley type of impact. I'm not putting him in Fairley's category by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, 
but he's have, going to have that kind of rotational impact that you wanted to see out of a guy instead of what we have seen out of players where, okay, here's your starter. When the backups are in, uh, you know, we just got to survive a few snaps. You know, just hold the ground. No, they're not going to just hold the ground. They're actually going to have an impact. Um, they will be productive players. So, yeah, I've got those guys all making the team along with Daryl Tapp, who is the, these those two guys, specifically Anya Madri and Muhammad, have cited as saying, hey, man, this guy is a leader in the locker room. This guy is teaching us how to be pros. Uh, so I got Daryl Tapp making the team for that leadership position to rotate him and Cam Jordan when needed. And unfortunately, that only leaves me with three defensive tackles on this team. Sheldon Rankins, Tyler Davidson, and David Onyemata, who we just talked about. Um, I want to put Tony McDaniel on this team. I just don't have the room for him. Um, yeah. Sheldon Rankins is having an incredible camp. Uh Cam Jordan, of course, is playing the, probably having the best camp of his career. Um, that defensive line is going to be really interesting. And one last thing before I, you know, I turn it over to you. Here's something else I saw that was really, uh, really effective against the Texans. On third downs, the Saints went to a Cam Jordan, Sheldon Rankins, Alex Okafor kicked to the inside, and Kihaka right next to him as the defensive end all as pass rushers. And guess what happened in those downs when those four guys were out there? Cam Jordan knocked down a pass and started Sheldon Rankins. Um, and they got a lot of pressure right up the gut on Tom Savage. If anyone DVR'd the game, go back and watch some of those plays, especially when you see Kahaka out there with Okafor side by side and look at the pressure in the first that you're seeing off the line with those guys in there. Um, that's why I, I want to keep McDaniel on this team, but I just can't do it because um, I just don't see the room, and I don't see him letting Daryl Tapp go in favor of McDaniel just to have an extra defensive tackle on the team. How do you as, see as this you, playing out? As you said, uh, uh, you've got basically – uh, three names there. Uh, your your Jordan, your Rankins, your Davison, your Yamada, Okafor, Kikaha, and Hendrickson. They're gonna make it. They're they're your they're over here on the left side in the lead pipe inches. Uh, but you've got basically um, you've got Muhammad, who's in that center category, who has absolutely played out of his mind level uh i mean he's playing madden level you know mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh and he absolutely has earned a spot on this team in my opinion uh you've got two that are over here uh, if i of course i know this isn't going to happen if i'm dennis and i say hey guys at the baltimore Ravens, whoever puts up the numbers makes the roster uh, and that would be Tap and McDaniel. Uh, I really, in terms of this preseason and what they've done on the field, I don't see a sizable enough separation between the two to say you make it and you don't. Um, I, I, 
they're just uh, I, I have tapped Daniel as being one of the other being that last position on that defensive line unit. And I, I personally, I don't have that resolved as of, excuse me, as of yet. Well, I know we skipped over the offensive line. Basically, we all know who the offensive linemen are going to be before we go to linebackers. I mean, um, <laughs> the only difference is, you know, the good news is Armstead's ahead of schedule. So I still think that swing tackle is going to be picked up after this fourth preseason game because I don't think either Harris or uh, or Barnes are going to make it. Uh, Unger should be back in. Uh, for the first preseason game, they're even talking about him playing like six or seven snaps in the uh, in the fourth preseason game, which I don't know how true that'll be. We'll find out, of course, Thursday night. Um, Ramshack is going to be a starter until Armstead comes in. They're talking about now just putting Armstead on the pup list instead of the IR li- IR recallable list, which is a big deal. Um, and the only two offensive linemen I have making it uh, as backup are Kelamente and Maribus because both of them can play center guard and Kelamente can even play tackle in the pinch. Um, and that's what's going to get them as opposed to, say, a, a Landon Turner, who is a pure guard. He can't play tackle, can't play center, uh, or a um, some of the other guys that we had on the team. I, I just can't see them coming in. Uh, linebackers, you know, clearly we've got the top three. You know, you've got uh, Robinson, you've got uh, uh, Klein. Klein at your strong side linebacker, kicking into the inside middle linebacker position on passing downs. And um, Manti Teo, who's shown to be the playmaker that he was at Notre Dame as the middle linebacker. I think, you know, Anz- Anzalone. I'm hey, you got his, it for Yeah, I also think I'm probably butchering his name. But Anzalone has You're surpassed. not butchering Anzalone nearly as bad as Kikaha. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> uh, is, has passed up Stephon Anthony as the rookie linebacker. He is playing the way Anthony should be playing. Um, he played very well on the weak side, and I have a feeling – before the season's over with, Anzalone is going to be starting at that weak side linebacking position with Robertson coming in as that, as that backup guy because he can play all three positions. Um, a bad thing that happened, Nate Stupar got hurt. I saw him uh, kind of be held up. He couldn't put a lot of weight on his knee. So I haven't making the team, but he may be put on IR depending on how serious that injury is. And, of course, uh, Michael Marty, and I've got the, the, the kid from – we picked up in Philadelphia, uh, the linebacker, the special teams guy, Brayman, making the roster as your, as your uh, five linebackers. I'm sorry, seven linebackers. Does it five, seven? Yeah, anyway, I've got those guys seven. making the linebackers. Yeah, seven linebackers, thank you. Uh, I've got those guys <laughs> making it. I have Stephon Anthony not making this team. He has a mysterious injury. Maybe we, uh, yeah, maybe we stash him in IR. I, I think you're seeing the trades this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Saints cut him out right. I, um, 
oddly enough. Um, in Stefan Anthony's rookie year, when I was writing, uh, when I had was still with uh, Pro Football Spot in the first uh, tenure, uh, which I presently am still, uh, or excuse me, am in, who's in his rookie year, Stefan Anthony, as the defensive rookie of the year for the Saints. Uh, of course, uh, then I started hanging out with guys, so uh, I learned what to look for and what to look at and realize the error of my ways. Getting back to the point, and uh, I don't have Stefan Anthony making the team either. Um, my man, buddy, my, uh, uh, the guy, Mr. Hashtag Savage Life, uh, or as I put it on, on Twitter all the time, Savage Life Unleashed, uh, Adam Big Hill, I have Big Hill making this squad, uh, based on the game that he had in... NDA, uh, excuse me, Los Angeles, uh, in, in Los Angeles against San Diego, we'll, we'll put it that way, um, and, and the game that he had the other night, he left the entire team in tackles, uh, mm-hmm. pressure, uh, hey, bottom line, and I've, I've made this statement before, I believe that if you look at long-term success of this season, uh, by by unit, there is no unit that carries nearly as much weight in terms of you must succeed for this team to succeed as the linebacker core does. As go the linebackers for the New Orleans Saints, so goes the win, wins and losses uh, to a large extent, not mm-hmm. uh, totally and completely. Uh, you get the gist. Uh, someone that brings it every game, every down, every play, like Adam Big Hill does, and um, he wasn't just a lot of hype coming from the CFL to the NFL. Uh, he's brought results in the uh, two of three starts. I, I really, I didn't get to see his uh, his film against the Browns, but I saw live him playing against the Chargers as well as the, the Texans. I don't see how you can close the door on a guy that has the intensity, the the mindset, and the ability uh, that this brings to the table. I really don't. I, and I really, really would love to see Adam Big Hill make this team. I, I would like it too. I just don't know if um, if if he does it because of his size. Um, we we'll see. I mean, it'll be a great story if he does. I mean, we're assuming Michael Marty makes this team, and that was the seventh linebacker. I couldn't think of a Michael Marty. Um, we uh we're assuming he's going to make this team, but uh, it may end up being Big Hill and uh, Brahman. So. We'll see. We'll see how this plays out. Um, cornerbacks. Oh, uh, cornerback. Yeah. <laughs> cornerbacks, I think we've got this pretty much set in stone. Uh, I know some people are going to cringe at these names, but 
Uh, clearly, Lattimore and Lattimore made some great plays last night on uh, Saturday night. Uh, Lattimore and P.J. Williams are going to be your starters. Um, I found it interesting. Devontae Harris came in as the third corner um, with P.J. Williams dropping down to cover the slot guy and Devontae Harris moving into P.J. Williams' spot on the outside. Uh, and I've got Ken Crawley and Sterling Moore as being your, your six cornerbacks um, with Delvin Bro probably going to short-term IR. Um, we may end up keeping another corner. We may end up bringing in a corner from somewhere else. Um, let me let me excuse. I'm sorry to interrupt. Let me ask you this because you're more up to date on the, the procedure aspect. Yes, if Bro goes to the short-term IR, does that allow us another roster position? It does. It does. Um, okay. Well, that's probably I why. have the. Uh, I have your the uh, solution to that problem right there. That's going to be Arthur Molette. You know, here's the problem with Molette. I, I haven't seen him do anything in preseason. Now, I don't know what he's done in practice, um, but he hasn't done a whole heck of a lot in preseason. For me, to justify him making the roster right now, I see possibly looking at some of these corners they're talking about getting rid of. I mean, the Browns have been trying to dump Joe Hayden for a while. Uh, I, I wouldn't trade for him. But I can see the Saints looking for a veteran corner to come in with all these second and first-year players. Because think about what you've got there. Lattimore's a rookie. P.J. Yeah. Williams, it's really his third year, but he's only played one game, one and a half games. He hasn't been yeah. Field. And Crawley, and Crawley, and, right? And Crawley and Harris are second-year players. Sterling Moore is the only one who has any kind of experience. And Sterling Moore is the kind of guy you want to come in as your nickel and dime guy, not as your starter. So, yeah, I mean that's that's why I think that's a disadvantage a player like Arthur Millette will have. I think I mean looking for someone a veteran guy to come in, someone who's had experience as a starter, who has a voice in that locker room with some experience until Delvin Bro comes back. And Delvin Bro, if he goes to short-term IR, we may not see him until midseason. So that's that. That's just um, – excuse me. That's just how I see this playing out. I do too. I Mullet is as talented as the guy is. Uh, as you said, when it gets to this point in the preseason, all that you have is what, if you're going to make a case for yourself to make this team, you have to have that that video. You got to have something for those coaches to go back and say, okay, look what this young man can do. And, and Mullet does not have uh, – the reps and uh, that's that's sad for as talented as he is mm -hmm. and I believe that he's that talented he just has not had the opportunity to show that and to a large extent I felt that same way after week one with Big Hill uh, 
I, I didn't feel like he, he got the opportunity to show what he could do. Of course, that narrative changed after the San Diego and Houston game. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the, that's his biggest negative going for him. I think they would like to stash him on, on, uh, on the practice squad, work with him for a while. I think they see a lot of potential, but uh, it's just not, on the 53, it's tough for him to be in there. And you also saw Devontae, you saw Devontae Harris returning punts Saturday night, which kind of showed me they're trying to find a reason to keep him on beyond just as a cornerback, but also as a special teams guy. So they have that too. So I have Devontae Harris and Ken Crawley being your, your yeah. primary backup cornerback. Uh, hey, you, you know, people – People bang on Crawley and uh, Harris a lot, mm-hmm. but I want you guys to to sit back and think about something. These two uh, rookies were thrown into the fire last year as uh, anything short, anything more less than just uh, the situation and what it was. He they had to be thrown into the fire to earn their their spot. And I, I believe they did that. Yeah, they made mistakes. Yeah, they learned from them. I mean, you look back at this uh, this last game. Ken Crawley had two breakups in the end zone and preserved mm-hmm. the shutout in a large way. Uh, I I don't think that they're uh, they're like number one down receivers in the league by any stretch of the imagination. They're serviceable options that have earned the right to to stay around. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then the last position we have on the team, uh, well, second to last, we'll talk about the uh, we'll talk about the specialists too. But uh, the safeties, I think we're both in agreement on this one. Kenny Vaccaro, Von Bell, yeah. Marcus Williams, Raphael Bush, and Chris Banjo. And Banjo being there as a special teams guy more than a true safety. Um, yeah. None, none of the other guys really have stepped up to make that kind of impact. Banjo, I think, leads the team in special teams tackles. Raphael Bush had a nice sack on Deshaun Watson uh, Saturday night. Um, and I watched Vaccaro, Bell, and Williams, that triangle of – of safeties, I watched Vaccaro sit up high with Bell and Williams down well. I watched Williams sit up high, and then I saw Bell's come up and sit up high. So you, they're all interchangeable right there. So that's that's a good thing for this defense. Um, and I think Marcus Williams is going to get – I was hoping he'd get a turnover uh, last night. I mean, on Saturday night, he didn't get it. Um, I'd like to see him get a turnover – in those first pre- first regular season games, especially against Sam Bradford, who was a turnover waiting to happen. Well, uh, against the Ravens, maybe Flacco will walk down there and hand him the ball because <laughs> he had two absolute lead pipes. I'm right here waiting. Uh, turnovers, he just um, – in his words, uh, after the game, he left money laying on the field, and he absolutely did. He yeah. had two uh, sure 
interceptions that that he uh, alligator arm. Absolutely. Uh, well, but no, he he'll get beyond and and he'll settle into his role. Uh, I believe that he'll be everything that this team envisioned being, making him that draft choice. I think so. My son thinks he's funny. Uh, sent me a pronunciation <laughs> uh, guide. Okay. Um, was yeah, it? Was uh, it? Uh-huh. No, it was Anselm. <laughs> um, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, I um, and then of course the specialist. We like, we've kind of talked about this already several times, but you know, Will Lutz nine for nine on kick on uh, field goals, kicking off, kicking it into the end zone, uh, showing that powerful leg. Being very consistent in his follow-through, like a golf swing, um, he hit that, what, 53-yarder against the Chargers. He hit two solid kicks against the um, against the um, Browns and the, and the Texans. A 53-yard knuckleball, man. Yeah. That, well, that had all the lift on it that I displayed going from here to the front door. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was almost a straight-line shot from 53. Yeah, but it was, you know, accurate. And, yeah, he probably would have liked to have kicked a little bit higher. But, I mean, it was dead-on accurate. So, um, for a change, we this is probably the first time since probably John Carney's heyday in 2006 that we're not going, you know, and maybe to, maybe the beginning of 2010 um, because we're still in the Super Bowl high that we're not going, you know, God, I hope this kicker makes it all 16 games. Or, you know, you know, the Saints are going to have to one day address that kicker position. I think we've got two solid kickers in um, in both Lutz and Morstead as a punter. I saw we had to make a trade for a 2019 seventh-round pick uh, for a magic guy, a 37-year-old long snapper, because – Dresher apparently is in a walking boot. Um, I don't know what that means. Uh, I don't know if this is a long-term injury or not. I don't even recall him getting hurt. Um, so, I, I, I mean, what, what are you laughing about? I mean, he did. He was a Magic Act guy. And some Eagles fans were upset that he's gone. No, you, no, you, no, no, no. no. You, you don't know what that means. He's going to have trouble snapping the ball. That's basically all it boils down to. <laughs> but I, I read on Twitter, um, you know, that the, the some Eagles fans were upset that they lost this guy. And, uh, you know, we've been trying to find a long snapper. And we brought Dresher back because the other two guys they had before were just terrible. So um, I, I – I don't. We'll see if this is just for short-term fix. It's a heck of a, a heck of a trade for a short-term fix. But um, I, I, I don't see us trading away a draft pick. I don't care if it is the seventh round. I don't see us trading a draft pick for someone that we're going to keep active on the roster two days and then cut. Right. So, um, uh, at at best, Dreacher goes on IR. Uh, Doran Bros, Doran Bros, Doran Bro. Yeah, I think, I don't, uh, I'm not sure how to say his name, uh, but I I, I want to pull up King, King of the North. 
Well, here's the thing. Oh, sorry, I mean, you're not Game of Thrones guy, are you? <laughs> well, here's the thing. You know, they they call him Magic Man. That's where I, that's why I call him that because that's what he did. But I'm looking yeah. at the Eagles web. The Eagles, um, their equivalent of I guess Canal Street Chronicles and and the stuff that we do. Um, but they basically said. Um, Dornborough was more than just the team's long snapper. He was a valued member in the locker room. Again, yes. here we go back to the chemistry of the locker room, of a veteran leader. Um, he was also the only player in the team who was really good with magic, uh, which is obviously important. Hey, y'all saw – y'all all Wait. seen the, the, the Twitter clip of the, of the uh, Bengals punter. Uh, I think it was against the Redskins. The guy rushes the punt. He just kind of takes the ball, puts it behind his back, pulls it back up like Australian rugby, just goes and kicks it right after that. So magic can be helpful. <laughs> well, my whole – okay, uh, this goes full circle. We got Doran Bross – Doran Bross – him coming in, uh, he's a magician. Mm -hmm. Do you think he can magically make an offensive tackle appear? <laughs> um, I, I'll be honest with you. I think that you're going to see a couple of good offensive tackles, veteran offensive tackles, get let go. Um, today, um, I don't have a list in front of me because I'm not paying that close attention to it. But I do know, yeah, in this NFL, this kind of NFL that's going on right now, teams are much more willing to build their team with draft picks and guys working off of cheap contracts. So if it takes a veteran, say a veteran lineman, um, maybe in his eighth or ninth year, making a little bit too much money compared to uh, his, his quality of play or uh, the fact they've got somebody who's making a lot less money can play just as well. You'll see him cut him. You'll see that uh, team cut him, and the Saints will probably pick him up because they want a guy right now to play that swing tackle and <coughs> not a starting position. So there you go. I think that's where you'll see that tackle coming from. And the fact that Armstead is ahead well, of schedule, Unger will be playing that kind of, you know, you're gonna that offensive line is going to be pretty solid a lot better than we thought it would be at the beginning of training camp. I believe you're dead on with the, uh, the specialist positions, obviously, Lux. I can't overemphasize exactly how incredibly dominant in terms of what he does Thomas Morstead has been throughout the course of this preseason. Mm -hmm. I know – in the Chargers game, he was popping 60, 70-yard punts with uh, and with Chris Banjo, almost no return. So, uh, obviously, special teams have, in, have improved a great deal. And I think that that was a, a, a real point of contention going into the season as well. I think so. I, I, because, as you were saying earlier, the um, – We've lost, what, three games last year because of special teams breakdowns. The, um, and 
they're not going to let. They looked at the coaching staff, looked at the reasons why they've been losing these close games and specifically address those issues. Whether it's replacing coaches, whether it's putting an emphasis, a great emphasis on bringing in quality uh, special teams guys or bringing in better people in the locker room to build that winning culture. Those things you're seeing the Saints do this year that you have not seen them do since Sean started building the team for a Super Bowl run beginning in 2006 with ending up with the 2009, you know, ball club. So, yeah. in that regard, I, yeah, and that's why this Final 53 that I picked placed a lot of emphasis on special teams players because of that. Um, I, I think – Special teams will help us win certain games this year, whereas we were losing them last year. Ted Ginn, I promise you, if, if not Ginn, at least Kamara, will get us either a punt or a kick return for a touchdown this year. He will do that. I can put it in my, predict, my predictions. Uh, my records. I'm not predicting records uh, or where we're going to end up. Uh, I'm just saying that's one thing I am predicting. Uh I'll give one bold prediction. <laughs> Anyone that knows me, that's talked to me personally knows that uh, I swore I would never say this on the air. Um, <coughs> at some point during the 2017 season, uh, and, and I beg forgiveness ahead of time from Rev for this, at some point during the 2017 season, for one reason or another, your starting running back going to be Adrian Peterson. Ooh, our average stuff hit the floor just now. Um, I'm not talking supplant a starter for his his job indefinitely. I'm talking about maybe short term, maybe long term. No way, no, no real way to tell that as of yet. But we all know. Mark Ingram is best when he's pushed to excel. Uh, we've seen that over the past two, maybe three seasons with Hightower. Uh, the best games that Ingram has had is when he got worked himself to the doghouse with SP and had to basically dig himself out. And he came out running like an absolute madman. And there's just one difference. This is not Tim Hightower that's sitting there waiting on you to fumble or to make a bad choice or, or what have you. This is a first ballot Hall of Famer waiting to end his career so five years later he can go into the Hall of Fame that's standing behind you uh, waiting on you to mess up. I'm, I won't say that. This is all I'm going to say about the running back situation. Leave me swinging and win. Yeah, because Deuce is going to come after you hard. Um, yeah, he, he punched me. That you're going to see a lot more rotation of the backs. Absolutely. Any year you've ever seen. Um, I think you're going to see the backs shuffled in and out just like you see the receivers shuffled in and out. Um, I think you're going to see Ingram. And if Peterson holds up as 
and God, I feel like Austin Powers, you know, Dr. Evil. Cow starters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you're Ooh. going to see kind of performance with them and Don Kamara in the mix. I think there are going to be positions where you see Peterson and Kamara on the field together. I think there's going to be times you're going to see Peterson and Ingram on the field together. Things that are going to cause defenses to have to go, whoa, wait a minute. Here. You know, who? Where we have to pay close attention to because they're running a similar alignment to run and which side are they going to go on. <clears throat> that kind of thing. I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I saw Peterson line up outside the numbers as a receiver. Now, of course, he came right back in motion. But it was a fake pitch to him. But still, you're going to see players coming in and out and shuffled around and moved around to create confusion <clears throat> by the defense, excuse me, by the, on the defensive side. So Sean can isolate those mismatches where you can get the ball to this guy here, you can get the ball to Ingram, you can get the ball to Kamara, you can get the ball to Fleener, and so forth. Um, okay, we went way over as usual, nine twenty-four right now. Um, hey, we're the well, thank only you hour and a half for long podcasts out there. Yeah, you, you get it. It takes you. It takes us an hour and a half to watch sixty minutes. Um, That's right. We uh, we we want to pro- thank everyone for their, their support. Uh, yes. We want to invite everyone. We, need- we invite everyone say- September the 9th. Thank you. 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Our annual preseason kickoff extravaganza palooza. Okay. But uh, anyway, uh, we're going to ha- we have David Harrison. <laughs> And Eugene Thomas covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we have Joe Riolano and Anthony Dunn from the Carolina Cat Chronicles. We have David Schultz from the Atlanta Falcons. And yours truly, and Alan Ulrich, covering the New Orleans Saints. We're going to have an NFC South roundtable discussion on the NFC South division as well as the NFC season to come. We also, as a very special added guest, we have Herbie Tioki, beat writer for the New Orleans Saints. I'm really, really looking forward to having Herbie on here. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, so uh, join us then. Uh, of course, we'll be back next Tuesday uh, for game week. Um, even though the first game is until Monday night, September 11th, I believe, um, we will be, we will have the final roster in front of us. Um, they will be preparing for the Minnesota Vikings while the preseason out the way. And we'll be hyping our, uh, of course, our kickoff show for the, for the season on September 9th. So please join us uh, next Tuesday, next Tuesday night for Under the Dome. We'll break down all the moves the Saints have made, the unexpected stuff that we didn't think was going to happen that actually happened, and the fallouts for that after they make those final cuts. So please join us next time on Under the Dome. Good night, everybody. Thank you, guys. We love you.